This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. All right, everyone. Well, welcome back to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and I'm excited today to welcome Michelle Donnelly of Agape Moms. Thank you for joining me today, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. It's my total joy, Erica. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm not sure how I came upon your account on Instagram, but I was drawn to it. You guys have a really great sort of a a look and feel going on. Mm, Thank you. (laughs) So maybe that was the initial tug, but you know, I looked at it and I'm very interested in mom life, being a mom myself. I have two uh, kids ages three and five. And, um, and then also just reaching out to the single mom community, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to the church. And so I immediately started scrolling through your account and was very interested in this work that you guys are doing. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Michelle and I am a single mom of three kids and mine run the whole span. So I've got a 12, a 10 and a three. So (laughs) it is, it's a busy place around here. Um, But yeah, so I live in Tennessee, but I'm originally from the West coast and I've been on a journey, a single mom journey for the last three years. And through that time though, God has been so good to give me so much of what I didn't even know I needed in terms of healing, in terms of people, in terms of support, community, but also I'd say greatest in a better understanding of him as I've walked through suffering. And so in that period of time, though, um, kind of where Agape Moms came from was I'm a person that processes a lot by writing and journaling and talking and things like that. And so I just started writing. And as I was learning things, as God was revealing things to me about my life and my circumstances, I just said, well, you know, I'm going to put this out there in case it helps somebody else. And I started getting emails back from ladies who would say, wow, you know, I've never heard anybody say it like that before, or I'm so glad that you spoke up. This is totally my story too. And so in that, God started to show me the greater calling and the greater purpose that he had in all the pain that I was going through. And so that's, that's where Agape Moms came from. So, so you were just like writing on your own blog. Is that right? Oh yeah. This was not going to be at, at the outset. It wasn't going to be something that was anything really all that much more than kind of personal. Um, and so were you just putting it out there on your own social media platforms and just people were seeing it that way? Yeah, it's, um, it's a slow process if you do it that way, but it really was just me just got on Squarespace <laughs> and just started to write. Um, but I had had some experience blogging in the past. And so I did have already some of that fundamental, um, knowledge of what I needed to do in order to make it viewable for other women. Because Mm -hmm. while it was sort of a healing personal journal, it was also for the intention of saying, Hey sister, if you're in this, me too, let's, Mm -hmm. let's link up arms and let's figure this thing out together. And in the midst of that, God, you know, gave me vision as far as, you know, turning this into something larger and growing into a podcast and 
just the variety of things that um, I do have going on now with the ministry. So, so what are some of the things, like some of the topics that you were writing about then? Yeah. So <laughs> I like to joke that I will talk about all the things that nobody really wants to talk about, <laughs> but that's why people want to read it. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. So um, it's one of those things that some of it is like the things that I'm just walking through. And I think sometimes with these sort of things, like you might be attracted to someone's writing or podcast because they're an expert. And other times it's just because someone is five more minutes up the road from you Mm -hmm. and is saying, Oh, wow. You know what she's saying is turning on lights for me. And it makes a lot of sense. And so for me, it's things I'm learning in parenting and, you know, there's great parenting books out there, but then it's like, how do I apply this though now in a single parenting perspective, you know, and other times it's things like dating, it's Mm -hmm. trauma, personal healing, it's spiritual growth, learning about domestic violence, like all of these things that go into various single mom experiences. And for me, it's a learning process too, because I don't know what it's like to be a widow, you know? And so what are some places of overlap in my journey with a woman who's journeying somewhat differently? Um, It's also understanding different walks of life, different perspectives, how we all got here. It's different, but we're all in a situation that we never thought we were going to be in. And we're just trying to figure out one day at a time Mm -hmm. how we move forward. Yeah, that's so uh, true what you say about your learning too, because, and, and the five minutes up the road thing, because isn't it true, like when you're teaching other people something that even if you just learned it, you really feel like you integrate that so much more into yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, I can think of so many examples in life of just something, even if you learned it yesterday, when you're telling someone the next day, you just feel so much more in the know. And it, it kind of reminds me of just like discipleship in general, like, you know, how important that is as Christians and, um, and, and why you don't have to be an expert to be, you know, sort of discipling someone in their faith. It's just, you yes. just have to be five more minutes and you can help someone that is, you know, coming behind you. So I think that's really interesting. So, so let's talk about like, you know, the, you're doing this, uh, you're, you're targeting single moms, but you know, you could have done that without a faith component. Cause all of these things happen regardless of faith. So talk about your faith and why mm. that part of it is so important. I love that you said this because I have witnessed this with women in my community who have said, you know, I was in an abusive relationship and I had been in counseling, but I didn't have what I felt like I needed as a foundation to know what to do next. And so there's this paralysis that's there Um, or women who've just gone through it, you know, and they're not sure how do I figure out what the next step is? How do I pick up the pieces again? And while I am actually a, a great proponent of counseling and having tools in the toolbox and learning from people who have the ability to help you develop a new skill set or to make you more self-aware, to help you change patterns and things like that. The thing I know that I know that I know is Jesus is the only one who can heal us. He's the only one who can take those tools and turn them into total transformation. And so if I want to go from tools to transformation, the only place that I'm going to find that is in getting really closely acquainted with the God who made me and the truth of what he says about me, the truth of what he says about my circumstances, the truth of what he says that he is and what he does with brokenness. And there's a lot of great personal 
self-help, you know, self-help <laughs> kind of like gurus and people out there, you know, and I listen to some of that stuff too. Like it's great for us to learn new things about ourselves, but for us to truly be brought into the next level of healing of our journey, it has to come from our relationship with God. Yeah. You know, I was listening to, I can't remember who said this the other day, but she was saying, if the problem is, is something that's happening within yourself, you can't find the answer within yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you need something greater than yourself to be the answer. And, and I too, you know, love a good Brene Brown book, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, and, and I let, you know, I think she's very wise. Um, Mm -hmm. and and all of those, you know, people in sort of that category. Um, but yeah, in the end, it's sort of like, there's something missing. There's gotta be more than this self-empowerment book or whatever it is, self-help book. Um, because we are, not enough on our own. And it's just like accepting that fact is is really a lot of freedom to know that we don't have to carry it all on our own. And I think the thing we miss a lot of the times is God made us to be mind, body, spirit, that we have a body and a soul and a spirit. And we've got to address all those things to be really in health and in balance. So very often, you know, we might get one or kind of going off only in one direction. And we really do need to keep a good sense of equilibrium with all three of those parts. And so it means, yes, I need to nourish my physical body with sleep and exercise. If I am going through grief and trauma and those kinds of things, I need to stop and slow down. I need to rest. I need to have some boundaries around my time and say, I can't take on all the things that I could before and not shame ourselves for being exhausted because emotional processing is a physically exhausting experience. Yeah. But then in that too, when we don't know what we don't know, and we're only used to maybe, maybe a dysfunctional pattern of relating, maybe it's something that came from our younger years, or maybe it's something that came on later. Or if there's just something we don't realize about the way we interact with other people, the way that we perceive ourselves, we have to know kind of a baseline of what healthy is in knowing how to change our thoughts, what we're changing them to in a healing experience. And then they'll always knowing in taking those thoughts captive, I'm making them obedient to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so if I have a, a script of what I should say to change how I feel about myself, that's great. But I need to know in my spirit, deep down, that I am so loved and met just where I'm at by the God who made me. Mm-hmm. And you just have to have, though, all of those things. And it's hard to get a good balance, you know, but it's yeah. just the thing, you know, that I've really found is addressing all parts and being really diligent about that because my healing becomes my kids' healing, becomes healing for people around me, you know, and that's the thing I'm finding through Agape Moms is there are men who are starting to listen to my podcast. Cause even though mm. I talk about domestic violence, mostly from a women's standpoint, it's mostly statistically something that women will deal with in greater numbers. Mm. Men do still deal with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm seeing other people who are, are connecting with the ministry because they're having relational brokenness with family members and with parents. And the way we handle those things is similar, but there's not as much content out there for people who are in these broken yeah. relationships it's to know. It's definitely different. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
what do I do yeah. about myself? What do I do about these people? <laughs> yeah. And when somebody sees that it is coming from this perspective, they're going to be much more likely to pick it up or to p- press play and, and know that, okay, I'm going to really relate with this more. Um, I was going to say, I love what you're saying about the equilibrium. This is something that I've really been sort of of um, on, I guess, for be- lack of a better term, in the past couple uh, years, six months or so, um, because I have made that same comparison. I'm like, you you treat your body well. You want to, ha- you know, contribute to you know friendships, relationships, whatever. Um, but yet we leave our spiritual health, maybe our emotional health, like out, like oh, hope that works out. Like putting no effort mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. And I actually like started using this phrase this week, and I'm sure someone else has used it, but I had not. And I, and I was saying faith care, you know, we talk about self-care. What about our faith care? And there is a a statistic that I've been quoting lately that shows that women, um, the number one thing they want to improve upon is their spiritual life, their Mm. faith, uh, components of their life. And yet they say that is the very thing that they put last on the priority list. And so there's like this disconnect And I mean, that's for all women, but I'm sure many of the women you're talking to in a similar boat. So yeah, I think like sort of advocating this idea of like, you got to take care of it for it to thrive and and for it to make a difference. Um, And if you don't, of course, it's not going to get any better. Uh, So that's, yeah, we're, we're vibing here. (laughs) Well, and this is where single motherhood is not all that different than, you know, regular motherhood. Yeah. Um, But in the sense, though, that oftentimes we will put ourselves way last to take care of all of the things that we have to take care of and all of the people. But in doing that, we're not showing up as the best version of ourselves. We're not giving our kids and our families and our community the better parts of ourselves. And then sometimes it's just hard to figure out how do I start a new discipline that I'm not doing right now? I don't even know what I don't know. And so it is just tuning in and, and saying, all right, maybe like my neighbor is reading her Bible every single day and she's doing the Bible in a year and she's crushing it. And it makes me feel like I don't want to pick up my, like, you know, my verse of the day app that I've been using (laughs) makes me feel, you know, like shame, but it's like, my journey has looked very different through, I mean, it's a month to month thing. And I think that's the thing is we have to give ourselves the grace to know that God wants us to engage with him, however that looks for you right now. And it will move and shift. Sometimes it becomes more like with scripture reading, it might be like a lot more. And sometimes it might be like, for me, I'm heaped up in a ball in my closet, listening to worship music, letting scriptures be spoken over me because I just don't have the emotional capacity to process, you know, what I'm reading. And so I think it's just giving ourselves the understanding that there are seasons and how we will engage is different in those seasons, but we should still engage. We should still feel encouraged to do something. Yeah. I mean, I think also just, um, you know, doing that one, you know, knowing that there's the, the one thing you're doing, whether it's listening to worship music or or reading a verse of the day is just like praying that God would open up more opportunity for you, like supernaturally. So you're not even having Mm -hmm. to try, you know, and, and that's Mm -hmm. another, that's another option, but I think you're right on the sort of this is an overused phrase, but you know, the seasons of life, um, yeah. we all have them and expect when you have little kids and I mean, it is just, it's an, it's crazy. And I know a lot of women are like me, um, and probably you as well, like 
sort of high achievers, uh, really don't give themselves a lot of grace sort of like I look back, I mean, I look back, my kids are still little, but (laughs) even when my, like when my daughter was a baby, like I was like training for a half marathon and like, I was like, you know, doing so much. I started this podcast Mm -hmm. and it's like, looking back, like, why are you crazy? What were you trying to do all this stuff for? And, um, it's just a matter of like having that grace for yourself and just, Hey, you do what you can today. And then you try again tomorrow. And that's, you know, something, I mean, it's cliche, but it's true. Um, so, so tell me a little bit about, you've got the podcast. What else do you guys have going on with Agape Moms? Yeah. So as far as kind of the umbrella, there is, um, a private Facebook group so that single moms have a place that they can go to and feel like they can ask questions and just process kind of what they're going through. And it's, it runs the full range. Some of it is, you know, sharing back and forth, different encouraging Bible verses that, you know, just jump off at the page that day. It could be someone's going through a legal issue and they're like, Hey, I know my state is different than yours, but could you just, does anybody know, you know, how I should approach this type of situation or, you know, have you been through this before? And it's just that shared experience to have the ability to connect. And I think that's one of the things that is most difficult for single moms is feeling like they belong anywhere. Very often, you know, we think about church ministry and stuff like that. It's built for the traditional, like, four person family, you know, where it's Mm -hmm. like mom, dad, two kids and the white picket fence and the dog, you know, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, and, and things, um, just understanding like my experience, it doesn't seem that there's any place where I could go to ask somebody for help. So anyway, this is like kind of that virtual way of connecting with women all over. I mean, I'd say the country, but the world who are experiencing these various things and saying, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. And there's just so much encouragement and comfort in that. Um, other things. So I, there's a Bible study that I wrote there for single moms. It's called seeing hope and healing for single moms. And it is a resource designed to help a woman, no matter how comfortable she is with the Bible. So if it's something she's very comfortable with Bible studies, or if she's never picked up a Bible in her life, if she's going through it alone or with a group, those kinds of things that the questions are all designed to just be not really a homework based type of a study, but here, let's look at this passage of scripture. Let's walk through it one by one. Let's talk about what this brings up for you and then how to turn that into prayer and action. And so it's weaving all those components together. There's also an e-course there about loneliness. That's one of the things that really plagues single moms, but it can definitely show up in relationships too, especially if there's really unhealthy relationships. And so it is understanding what are the things that go into loneliness and loneliness is not just, Oh, I'm alone. Uh, but there's, there's often these things that cause us disconnection in relationships. And sometimes it's things that we think, or we're doing that we don't even recognize are closing us off from healthy relationships. And so there's a seven exercise course in there as well to just give you some, again, some tools to practice some exercises you can start out with and just, carry on and do over and again, as you, you know, see fit to help in those times where you're just feeling alone. And I think we've all seen with lockdowns and COVID and things like that, that, you know, those are things that we may not realize all the things we're using to cope with loneliness until they get taken away. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's the social interaction 
like for a person like me, I'm extroverted. <laughs> so me too. Cutting off my social interaction does more than just make me lonely in the sense of like, oh, there's no people around me. It's a way I cope with feelings I don't want to have, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, it's in that period of time saying, okay, I'm actually learning that I'm using this as, as a crutch and maybe I'm taking more than I'm giving. So how do I switch that around? This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Yeah, that's Anyway, that's kind of a long explanation there, but... (laughs) Where do you live? I'm in Middle Tennessee, so near Nashville. Okay, I wasn't sure if you were, like, in a total lockdown state No, we've actually been (laughs) fairly open, and I know, like, everybody's had a different experience. My brother's in California, and he's had a very different experience. Yeah, California, that's what I was thinking, like, they're, like yeah dealing with it it's been fairly open here I'm in Indiana so okay um but uh I was just gonna say um have you been going to church in person yes okay yeah actually so we opened up in the spring and you had a lot of churches because the weather was nice meeting outside and so we'd have outside last year yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and that went really until mid fall. So we were able mm-hmm. to, um, enjoy that time together. And then you would have churches that were moving inside and were socially distanced. I did get COVID in that period of time. Oh, yeah. I don't know where or when or how I got it. Um, but we had a surge and I think a lot of places had a surge towards the end of last year. Yeah. And after that surge though, it had seemed that a lot of things were doing a lot better, at least for us locally. And so, a lot of the restrictions were lightened even more and more. And so as you see, you know, vaccine and stuff like that, there's a lot more of regular life that's coming back, but I know it's not the same for everybody, especially not everywhere in the world. And Mm -hmm. everyone's having a very different experience with this. And it's just something that while I'm very thankful for me that I'm in the place that has worked out well for me in this situation, it's not been for any of us without struggle and Mm -hmm. sadness and grief and isolation and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's my heart always though, is seeing that on a very big and exaggerated scale, how much this has caused us to see the places where we really need each other. That is, has been a kind of an exclamation point for me as it relates to how do I reach out to more single moms and say, you already had been feeling isolated. And so now with COVID, this added like an extra layer to that. So how do we help single moms to feel like they belong somewhere? Mm-hmm. And so it, it was very, it, it taught me a lot last year, I'll say. Oh yeah. I mean, 
<clears throat> I think everyone's come away with something, you know, a lesson learned, even though yeah. it was hard. Yes. Um, so when it comes to church, though, I guess outside of COVID and yeah. we're hopefully heading back to a more normal way of life. Um, what, what are, I don't know if criticism is the right word, but what can you say about mm-hmm. how the church works with single moms and what is like your message for the church to do better? Oof. Wow. Erica. Good question. Good question girl. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, okay. So the Bible tells us that God puts the lonely in families and to me being a single mom, that's a huge promise that though my family has changed and fractured in some sense that the, there are people, not just in my family, but there, there are other people that you will lose. You will lose friendships because people may kind of back away from you or mm. whatever the case is. There's multiple layers of loss that occur when there's a break, like a divorce or something. Yeah. Like I think people don't realize that. Um, yeah. I think, yes. oh, okay, you're getting divorced, but like you're losing friends or in-laws or, um, you know, the place that you used to go together, things like that. And you might have to leave your church. You might have to, you can't maybe worship in the same place as this person anymore. So you may be starting over in just about every way that you can think possible. And in that though, too, there's grief that happens for the person that experiences that relational break. But then that continues on with the kids for so much longer. So for me, for example, this situation occurred, divorce happens, I grieve it, I'm able to kind of move into the next season. My kids, though, have less of an understanding of what happened, less control over what happened, trying to make sense over what happened. And for them, there are multiple occasions over and over and over in their lives where they'll say, oh, yeah, but my family doesn't do that because we're divorced, you know, my family, you know, this Mm. kind of stuff. And so it's a long-term grief for the kids. Yeah. And so why I say that though, as far as God puts the lonely in families, like, so where that's a huge hope to a person like me, who's lost so much. It's also a call. I feel to the churches to be the family Mm -hmm. and to say, we can't wait till these folks hurting people are coming to us. We got to go find them. We got to go seek them out. There's a lot of single parents who don't feel comfortable in church. They feel that their sin is on the outside and whether or not, you know, my situation, I know that you might automatically be assuming if I'm walking in three deep with no ring on my finger, that (laughs) you think that I did something, you know? And so there is that feeling of like, I'm wearing a scarlet letter. You don't even know my circumstance. So if I wanted to work on it and another person doesn't, the relationship dissolves, whether or not it was my sin, this other person's sin, or in the case of, you know, where there's a, a widow again, like we, we just don't really know a person's situation, but it feels so often that you sense when people are backing away from you because something is different. And I think maybe single mothers are hyper aware to it because we're feeling conscious about it. We don't like it. You know, this was not something that we signed up on if, you know, wedding day or however you got here, but like to say like, oh yes. And I would love for single motherhood to be part of my story as well. <laughs> yeah. You and know? I, I don't know why this is, and maybe I'm making this up, but I feel like whenever it comes to anything relationship wise that like, women just get like a reputation in a way that mm-hmm. men don't. And I don't yeah. know why. And I don't yeah. know what that is. Yeah. But it's just like they're judged more harshly. So to speak into that a little bit, I think some of it has to do with us misunderstanding the relationship dynamic in the sense that 
for example, if there's an abusive relationship, very often it is thought, well, both of you are contributing something, something to this relationship coming apart. It's both of you. It's a 50-50 equation. But in what we know about abusive relationships, for example, the choice to abuse is always in the abuser's hands. He can choose some other way to react. He can choose to come with compassion and ask a question. Why are you doing that? If something is triggering or annoying or whatever, right? But so very often we attribute that there is this 50-50 nature to the dissolution of relationships. Mm -hmm. And it's just not the case. Like Mm -hmm. I said, you may have someone who's like totally willing to do all of the work and the other person who's like, meh. You're always going to be here. And so I think it's one of those things that that's what is carried in when a person walks into a church building is automatically, I feel that you're giving me some kind of blame for what happened. You might not know my story. You might, but anyway, it's one of those things that it may be a preventative for people coming close, whether it's judgment or whether it's just, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to help, (laughs) you know? And Mm -hmm. so it becomes one of those things that's like, I don't know what to do here. And so we'll just do nothing. Yeah. And I think that's what my greatest call and part of what I do with the ministry is let's talk about it. Let's have everyone understand these dynamics. Let's talk about what it's like for a single mom to go through her daily life. And the fact that she's going to keep getting triggered by things and how we can help and how we can encourage. And a lot of times it's way simpler than we think it's bring her a meal, you know, Mm -hmm. like how would you treat a person who's dealing with some other kind of grief, like a death or something like that, bring them a meal, offer some babysitting, very practical, easy things. We don't have to talk about what happened. She'll talk about it if she's ready, Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know, mm -hmm. but it is just being that family that if God is promising a family to lonely people, he's talking about his family. And so if we are as a church looking for those people who need family, we're going to respond to that call in the way that God has designed for this all to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think too many people go to church as just sort of zombies. Um, and we, we should go to church, not obviously, I mean, you probably know this, but I just saying that we, we should go to church, like not just looking to be fed, but like looking to serve and help feed other people. And like, if we are members of the church, um, we have a, a job to do, not just like, we're not just an audience. (laughs) And so I think that's something that should be totally top of mind when people walk into a church and, um, had another trailing thought that I was going to stick in there. (laughs) Now I'm losing it. Ah, what was it? Um, oh yes, this is the, I was going to ask you this question. Hmm. So, you know, we know these days that the divorce rate is high. Um, and you know, having kids, um, being not married is also high. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's, it's very normal, much more normal than it would have been years Mm ago. Um, but, and to me, I don't particularly, uh, you know, add some kind of stigma to a person for that, but a lot of people may, do you find that there's still a huge stigma with that, either of those situations? So this is the thing that I think is interesting. I think you see it more in the Christian church than you see in secular culture. I think mm-hmm. in secular culture, it, it has become way more normal, way more a part of what we would consider people's normal experiences. And in church, it is definitely still stigmatized. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difficulty in there being dialogue and being help 
in these situations because it's uncomfortable and we don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I read a fantastic book by Lisa Morgan and it's called the beauty of broken. And she talks about the fact that even the first family was a broken family that when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they fell, that they had their two sons and in that brokenness in their relationship with God, that was the first break, but that beyond that you had the first two sons that one killed the other. And if you just go all the way down through Bible lineage, you see places of brokenness over and over and over again, but also places of God's goodness and his redemption. And that if we were to understand that brokenness is actually something that just about all of us are going to experience in some way in our lives, that we'd have so much more of a view of what God wants to do in our lives and do in our churches by accepting that broken is going to happen and we don't have to be scared of it because we serve a God who is the remaker of all things, you know, the one who Mm -hmm. makes all things new. And I think what's happened though, I call it the, um, frilly socks, Christianity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The ones you wore when you were a little girl. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I think about myself growing up a little girl in the eighties. And it was like, when you showed up to church, you had on your church dress, you had the white frilly socks, the black patent leather, Mary Janes, and Mm -hmm. there you were, you know, and everybody had perfectly really poofy hair. And, you know, it was just, that was how you did church. And it's how we've done church for long periods of time. And I think sometimes we see like, let's go back to that. If we could just go back to that and, you know, that sort of thing. But really what we've practiced is putting on this really polished, curated facade. And we're not dealing with that brokenness that's underneath. And so when you see a broken person, number one, you don't know what to do with them. (laughs) But number two, it might actually be touching places of brokenness that, you are not ready to deal with yet or have not dealt with yet. And so you're sort of detached from this person who's suffering because you're so you're spending a lot of time in putting on your facade that you're not Mm -hmm. really getting deep down and nitty gritty with God and saying like, Oh man, I've got this thing that keeps coming around for me over and over and over. Even if it's insecurity, you know, whatever it is, there's something that the enemy is trying to attack us with. And when we are, acutely aware of the spiritual battle that we are fighting, then we see the spiritual battle that other people are fighting and say, Mm -hmm. let's, you know, arm up. We're going to, you know, fight this together. And I think that's one of the things that it's difficult with stigma because that's really what single moms are needing. They're deeply acquainted with suffering. And it's someone who's got the armor on already. Who's saying, let me put yours back on you. Let's get out of here. You know, let's, let's fight, you know, I am always um, using this comparison, but I just, I want, I think I love the church and I think churches are incredible and they do amazing things for this world. Um, But I think a lot of times there is missing that sort of real component um, that, you know, not putting on the facade. Like I talk about how, why does someone have to be an AA, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. to find a community or whatever recovery group to find a community of people where they can just show up and just like lay it all out there. Because in those places, people do show up to basically strangers and tell them the worst thing that they've ever done, essentially, and what they're struggling with, and they're crying about it. And you're probably have a similar dynamic in like smaller groups, like, you know, your groups that you're running. Um, but not everybody sort of fits into a box of addiction or a single mom or, you know, what, one of these things, but, but everyone has still got their battle going on. And so 
I want the church to be more of a space like that, where people do feel comfortable um, going in there and be just being honest. And so that's why I love when church has testimonials and they make a priority of featuring church members and not making the pastor like always like the main spotlight, you know? Yep. Well, and I think in traditional ministry, we've kind of gotten used to this recovery group model, though, where it's like, okay, we've got a group for this and a group for this and a group for that. And so it's like, well, if you fit in one of those buckets, then you'll you'll find your spot. And I think so much more. So even as you said, where you and I are kind of saying, hmm, what could church do better? I love the church, too. And what it involves is people like you and me who and people who are listening to this podcast saying, I let it begin with me. Let it start with me. Let me go find one person in my church that I can just smile and shake hands with today. And now I know if we've got COVID and your church's not meeting, (laughs) that's a different thing. But, um, you know, having a view to that though, as we do look at those times where we will be able to all be united again, or how we can unite in our, maybe we've got a life group or community group, somebody who's, you know, groups that are meeting over zoom still and things like that. Every single group has a person connected to it somehow, whether it's in the group or like a family member of the group member or something that needs, needs the compassion. They need to know that Jesus loves them. They need to know that they're seen and that the hands and feet are physically available to Mm -hmm. do some of that heavy lifting with them. And so where, you know, very often we'd love to say like, oh, let's get all the pastors in a room and tell them what all the single moms need, you know, and stuff like that, or all the people who, you know, are suffering with this, that, or the other. It really does just come down to the fact that it's just one-to-one so often. Some of the most healing experiences for me going through a divorce and coming out this other side have been one-to-one interactions. It's been someone saying, I will save a seat for you at church. Come I will bring you dinner. You know, um, my mentor, when lockdown first started, she was like, I'm going to the grocery store. Can I get you anything? And I was like, I can't find lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the stores are ransacked. And it was the sweetest thing. You know, she, she got four bags of romaine and put them in grocery bags for me and just left them on the porch. Oh. And, I, and just, she like stood outside and we waved and... <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like you still can do things. And I think that's the thing is like 2020 and 20, you know, whatever COVID like tried to keep us separated. And there are still ways that we can allow the spirit to move through us to nurture one another. Yeah, I try to say or I've been trying to say, like, if a thought crosses my mind, you know, sometimes you'll just get a random fleeting thought. And I'm like, don't let that pass. Like if you have a like the other day I was, I was praying out loud, which is, I don't do that that often, but I was like, I'm just going to pray for like, whoever comes to mind. And like the most random people were coming to mind. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right. I'm going to do it. it. You know, yeah. And yeah. So I was just praying for whoever came into my mind. And this was everyone literally from like political leaders to like somebody from high school that I forgot existed. I mean, it was just wow. so many things. And you know, it's like, don't, miss that because a lot of that is the Holy spirit prompting you to do something. Mm -hmm. And we don't Mm -hmm. want to ignore those things because that's, that could really like the, the tiniest thing could make the biggest difference to someone if we just follow that. And it makes the biggest difference. It makes a big difference to you too, because (laughs) that is where your relationship with God continues to develop. As you hear his voice, you tune tune into his voice and then you follow him. And when we shut that off and say, oh, that's crazy, you know, I, like 
we're missing out on something he wants to do in growing us too. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing that I keep finding is so reciprocal about these things is as we're reaching out to other people, God's reaching out to us and he's reaching out to them. And it's just, it goes around and around and it's so beautiful, but we have to be comfortable with stepping into people's mess. And it, if it's one of those things where I don't know what to say, then don't say anything. Mm-hmm. Just what is something practical that you can do to serve that person? And yeah, like, that's practical. If you can't think of anything to say, there's always practicality. <laughs> totally. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so um, I love to, well, first of all, let's, let's ask, how can people get involved if they want to get involved with Agape yeah. Moms? Yeah. So the website is agapemoms.com. You'll see everything. All the resources are there, ways to connect to that private Facebook group. I also host the Christian Single Moms podcast. Again, you can link to that through the website or just anywhere that you stream podcasts and then Facebook or Instagram at Agape Moms. Okay. Awesome. And then I was just going to ask you, because I just love to hear what people are into have you read anything lately that you're loving or it doesn't have to be lately, just maybe anything that you're loving, watching, yeah. listening to podcasts, things like that? Yeah, sure. Actually, I'm a big theology geek. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so, I'm totally becoming one. Yes, I've like, gotten really into Elisa Childers has an incredible yes, podcast. I She's so with you on that. I love her. I actually have been trying to get her on this podcast, but I haven't uh, got a response. Let me know if it happens. She has someone uh, that handles her social media for her. So I don't even yeah. know if she's seen it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. She, I just, I think she's got a really straightforward way of explaining things. She has great guests on. And for me, there's lots of books that I'm reading that are also great that I'm kind of sampling as I will interview people for my show and stuff like that. And so there's a lot of great content that I've read again, books on dating, books on healing and trauma and all those kinds of things. But as far as myself, I kind of have this comparison uh, or this word picture of my life has felt like when you're in an airplane and you're taking off and it's like maybe turbulent, you know, and it's like, oh, you're you're like, oh, there's a bump. And like, you're just climbing the altitude (laughs) and you're like, oh, like, please don't let us die. Right. And then there comes a point though, where you get over the clouds and then you hit cruising altitude Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, you can move about the cabin now, you know? So my life has been for the last several years, so much of like that bumpy stuff. And now that I'm at cruising altitude, it's kind of like, okay, like I want to also have some things that are just for me and my relationship with God. And so because I'm such a very studious and kind of a word nerd and all this kind of stuff, like really digging into the Bible and theology and things like that is just what feeds me so that I can continue to, to um, minister and serve in the way that he's called me to. So that is awesome. So Two votes for Lisa Childers, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll stay on for a second, but thank you so much for joining me, Michelle. I love what you're doing. I love your message. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you so much. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. 
Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.